Äh, fragen Sie am besten den Trainer. Hello and welcome to episode 186 of the Yellow Wallpot. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and I'm joined by three other guys to talk about Borussia Dortmund's game against Cologne and preview the upcoming game against Hoffenheim. But before I introduce them, I have of course give a shout out to our new patrons uh, who support us on our Patreon page, which you can find on patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And the shout out goes to Sean, Patrick and Erwin. Thanks a lot to you guys, because we hit the $100 mark. We will uh, bring back the Borussia Dortmund fans from around the world segment, so keep it coming. Also, a note, we still have some BVB collector's mugs with Mark Bartra and Usman Dembele, so if you want to get them, you uh, yeah find all the details on what you have to do there on our Patreon page. Anywho, without any further ado, I uh, have to introduce... Our peeps now, and uh, I will of course start with Mr. Lars Pollmann. Hello, Lars. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. Is everything well with you? Everything's fine and peachy. That is that is nice. Also here, Luca Gear from Berlin. Hello, Luca. Hello, Stefan. <laughs> everything fine and peachy with you? Yeah. How about you? I'm dandy. <laughs> Everything's great, uh, and we have a newcomer on the show for this week. Juna Zenker, you may know him at Halbraum Randale from Twitter or just read his latest analysis of Dortmund's scoreless draw against Cologne. Hello, Juna. How are you doing? Hi, I'm okay. This is good to hear. So everything is, yeah, peachy on this podcast. So yeah, we are here, of course, to talk about that scoreless draw. Yay. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Lars, I would ask you about takeaways from that game but um, I think the biggest takeaway is that Dortmund are no longer third so I will just turn over to you Jona and ask you why uh, this yielded in the scoreless draw I think the main reason is that um, Peter Stöger adapted to Dortmund's um, style I guess like they he changed formation twice during the match and always when like after after pretty promising spells of um, Dortmund and he just um, quickly adapted to them and, and that's why Dortmund didn't create any any chances after after those those spells. Yeah, Dortmund started in a, I think it was a 4-2-3-1 system, right? Yeah. And yeah, more or less kept kept to it throughout the game if I'm not mistaken. Until Dembele and Guerrero came on. Um, yeah, or after, after Pistia came on actually and then they changed to a, like to a, to a Two, uh, three to four one formation. Yeah, but I mean, just lo looking at the lineups, I think it wasn't clear whether Dortmund and Cologne intended to play with four at the back or three at the back. Like Dortmund could have started Schmelzer as a as a left center back or Halbverteidiger in a in a back three, like he did um, against um, Borussia Mönchengladbach um, the week before. But yeah, as you as you said, Dortmund started in a in a pretty normal 4-3-1 formation with two deep-sitting um, fullbacks and Shinji Kagawa as a almost like classic number 10, um, although he he always uh, drifted between the half spaces and the wings and sort of supported attacks on both sides. Yeah, but it, it was pretty pretty normal, I would say. Yeah, yeah Lars, uh, what do we actually uh, take away? I mean, I, I already said that Dortmund dropped back to fourth, but uh, looking at the at the game, Dortmund coming out of the uh, cup semifinal against Bayern, do you think they were a little slow or do you think just Cologne very strong defensively and a tough nut to crack for Dortmund? I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. I would, uh, I, I actually predicted 1-1 uh before the game so i wasn't 
necessarily shocked by Dortmund's struggles after a strong opening, uh, let's say, 18 or so minutes. I think they came out of the gate really well, scored that uh, near offside goal, uh, which was really close. Was it actually offside? Yeah, I, never, it was, I never watched the replay. Uh, like, by a hair. So, I, I mean, it was probably a good call, but certainly very close and just generally the the first uh, 18 20 minutes they were really strong uh, maybe euphoria uh, overcame them after the semi final uh, obviously tuchel also made some changes to introduce some freshness to the team but generally speaking uh, cologne are a difficult team to play against especially for dortmund who haven't beaten uh, cologne under peter stöger which is now the last six games uh, so that's a pretty good sample size to judge upon um just they they defend well against Dortmund. There's something about that team, and then uh, obviously, I guess we'll talk about it a little later. But uh, Guerrero's uh, had a chance in the final seconds of the game that could have changed everything. And, and also the discussion now, uh, as you said, Stefan, Dortmund are now fourth and not third in the Bundesliga. But with the home match against Hoffenheim, uh, dropping points against Cologne uh, isn't that big a deal, especially after they Dortmund almost more or less stole two points from Gladbach after scoring a late goal there. So I think they are pretty much on schedule still. Uh, let's not forget that Hoffenheim also failed to beat Cologne the week before. Uh, they actually had to score in, in stoppage time to come away with one point uh, from Cologne. So even though Cologne have dropped off considerably in the second half of the season and aren't really that close to the European spots any longer, they're still one of the the better coach teams in the Bundesliga and one of the better teams defensively. And it's no huge surprise to me that some of these teams are struggling against Cologne. And then obviously for Dortmund, we have to also consider, as you alluded to, uh, that they came off a straining semifinal in the cup and generally a, a, a very stressful month of April, uh, both in terms of on and off the field. Yeah, certainly. Luca, um, any players that stood out for you in a good or bad sense? Uh, that game is so, was so long ago. But, <laughs> um, now I just wanted to add something else to, to the discussion. I, I thought Dortmund played a really fine game. Not amazing, but a fine game. And it was more likely, uh, to just result in a, I don't know, 2 0 win for Dortmund and they, they cruised the game home because Köln really had, I think they had two chances all game, one from Jojic and one from Bittencourt, the two ex Dortmunders. And other than that, Dortmund, they scored two offside goals. I still don't know why Reus went to the ball uh, on that Castro header, I think it was. I'm not sure if that was on goal or uh, was heading. Castro said after the game that he thought it would was going in. Okay, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe Subotic would have gotten there, but yeah, I didn't understand why Royce tried to, uh, yeah, score the goal there and then. Well, Royce said after the game that he thought there were still two players behind him. Okay, <laughs> hence the touch. Yeah, to, it, it's it's so unlike Royce to be offside, um, <laughs> but. Yeah, and they had they had another really good chance when uh, I think I don't know who chipped it over the back line. I think it was Dembele, and then Castro had a layoff with his chest yeah, to, to Dembele. Yeah, to to Aubameyang, and it was just slightly in the back of Aubameyang, and he couldn't finish. And then, like Lars mentioned, the Guerrero header. They they had chances to finish that game off, and they didn't finish those chances. And that's basically what it comes down to. And uh, Köln really struggled with Dortmund's passing in the beginning. had a, had a few wayward passes, and yeah, that, those really should have resulted in at least one goal, and then it would have been a totally different game. I was fine with the game, and for for uh, players who stood out, I it's really it's 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 been a while. I don't I don't know. Yeah, for players who stood out, I can't honestly can't really tell you because the game has has been a while ago. Can I can I comment on the Dembele scene? Sure. I think it was it was interesting to see that like he Dembele created a very good chance, the one you you've just mentioned, and another shot from I think 
like maybe 18 yards. But after that, he, he lost the ball twice and thought, um, and Cologne started a counter attack from like one of those, um, losses. And yeah, I think it's, it's very difficult to, to sort of assess uh, them, them Miller's uh, playing style because like he obviously created two, ch- two chances, but then after that, he, he lost the ball twice. And I think one of those, um, one of those scenes, he, you know, there was no, um, um, no chance of creating it, um, anything. He just, he was, um, like, I think between, um, he was way, um, back on the field and he just took a w- risk and lost the ball and like without any, um, any, any promising stuff coming from it. So yeah, I think he still has to learn a lot, I think. Yeah, that's something Tuchel basically says every time he talks about Dembele that, uh, he yeah. has all the, all the tools, but uh, he still needs to basically learn when to use them and in what situation it would be a bad idea to dribble because, uh, yeah, he's not in a position for it and it could be too risky. But, yeah, I guess there's something we'll still see next season as well where Dembele doesn't make all the right decisions. But, again, which player does? Um Last... Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> Not, not always. No. But, uh, speaking, speaking of, uh, Weigel and, uh, maybe also Castro, Yuna, um, we talked about it a little bit bef- before the show, uh, or actually yesterday, um, that Dortmund sometimes, uh, have the problem that they, uh, when they are in the build-up phase and have three players at the back holding the ball, that, uh, their midfielders basically run forward and there's a huge gap. Um, do you see this issue being fixed at some point at all? Um, so you're referring to like, the final, the final, um, 15 minutes or so of the game? Not only, but yeah, also happened then. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think one of the, one of the, uh, the central ideas is that, um, uh, midfielders, um, play between the lines. So between the, the defenders and the, the opponent's, um, midfield line. So that, um, and Dort- like and the the back three intend to uh, try to play um passes in between those um those lines um but that's obvious uh obviously uh like risky and and difficult to play especially for for Ginter and Zucatis who aren't um who aren't excellent on the ball and or um that's obviously m- much easier for Mark Batra or uh, Mats Hummels last season mm. so I guess one of the um like whenever, when, whenever a player receives a pass in, in those high positions, um, it's very, very difficult for the opponent to defend against. Um, like the Dortmund created a couple of, um, chances this way against, um, against Leipzig, for instance, in, um, at the beginning of the, the second half of the season. Um, but like you said, when sometimes you, the back three pass, um, just simply pass the ball to each other and, um, aren't able to, to play, play into those, um, players, which are positions, um, high up the field. I actually asked yeah. Marcel Schmelz on the mix zone why, uh, that particular problem occurs so often. And all he had to say is, ask Tuchel, I have no idea. <laughs> which is pretty disappointing coming from a 29 year old veteran who I think should know a thing or two about football. And, you know, I, I, he probably he, doesn't like you. Yeah, that must, that must be it. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um, Lars, when we speak of sympathies, we obviously have to talk about Nevin Zubotic. Um, was his moment after the game maybe the moment of the game? For me, having seen it on the TV, not necessarily. I, I guess for those on the yellow wall, that was more special. Uh, I, I do very much like Zubotic, but I mean, I consider him a player of Cologne at this moment, so I'm not saying uh, it was too much or took away focus from the game or anything, but uh, I don't know whether the club and, uh, you know, the supporters should make such a big deal out of a player on loan uh, returning. I mean, it's not like it's completely out of the question he's going to be with the club next season. Uh not necessarily because he's doing so well at Cologne that uh, Tuchel has suddenly uh, 
seen the truth and and will start him next season over Batra, Toprak uh, and whoever else may be available at centre-half, but simply because maybe Cologne don't want him and there's not a huge market for him, so there's every chance uh, Zubotic will be a Dortmund player again next season, so uh, the the entire thing felt like uh, someone coming home after five or six years uh, abroad and, and that's a bit too much for my liking, but Obviously, there's no one, nobody more deserving of of a great ovation from the Yellow Wall than one Nevin Zubotic. Yeah, that is very true. I, I thought it was very interesting that Tuchel said was it after the game that uh, you know he would like to have Zubotic on his roster, but first they have to talk and basically make sure uh, you know which uh, the expectations of each parties are, and basically already saying in between the lines that, you know, you can gladly come back here, Nevin, but only if you accept to be a fringe player at best. And You can replace Matthias Ginter. Yeah, maybe. But Matthias Ginter is anything but a fringe player this season for uh, better or worse. <laughs> With a capital W for worse, because I've, I think Ginter is like the, the fifth or sixth most minutes of all players on the team, so uh, calling calling uh, Ginter a fringe player uh, is not necessarily correct. Yeah, I'm glad you Ginter yeah, but, but whenever whenever other players are available at centre-back, Ginter does not start. Or, yeah, he, he's definitely not like the first choice or the, the second choice for Tuchel. Neither should he be. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, uh, I think, I don't know, there's just not too many things to say about that Cologne game other than Dortmund play okay and had they finished one of their many chances they would have taken all three points but uh, yeah it wasn't to be and on the next day the Sunday Hoffenheim hosted Eintracht Frankfurt and it was uh, also scoreless draw until the 90th minute and then uh, I don't even remember who scored for them Hübner Hübner yeah it was a free header on goal and I was I wouldn't say sure but I thought a better goalkeeper than Hardek, he would have saved, saved that attempt. Uh, any who Hoffenheim got three points and moved one point clear of Dortmund, which means Dortmund have to win on Saturday to uh, reclaim that third position. Luca, what do you expect of this game, Borussia Dortmund against a uh, yeah, formidable Hoffenheim team this season? So. Are they towering favorites? Is it a 50-50 match? What do you expect? Um, on neutral ground, I would probably say it's 50-50, but in Dortmund, it's always in favor of Dortmund, except when they play like Real Madrid or Bayern or someone. Um, so I'd say like 60-40 maybe in favor of Dortmund. Uh, they should have basically everyone fit. Tuchel had a full week of training, which he rarely had in this uh, in this season, and usually the team looked good when he had those weeks. Newsflash: so, <laughs> <laughs> Marcel uh, Schmelzer Socrates not in oh. team training today. Okay, we're recording this on Thursday, so it might just be a periodization. And Eric Dom also had to stop training because I think it was uh, at that abductor or some problems or i don't know i I was without internet for the majority of the day so yeah good to know yeah Um, (laughs) yeah okay then they're not fully fit but i I still stand by my prediction of uh, 60 40 in favor of dortmund just because they're playing at home and they they did look good when they played hoffenheim away uh, when royce got that ridiculous uh sending off and they still managed to score or I think they won the second half, didn't they? Um, yeah, they snatched a point at least. Yeah, exactly. Two-two draw it was in the end. Exactly, and uh, Götze with a nice goal there. And they played well there. It was a really interesting game. I expect the same for this one. Um, I think, I'm not sure if, if Hoffenheim, they're not going to park the bus, but I think they're going to take a calm approach and be a bit... Uh, yeah, on the lookout because they don't really have to win. They, a draw would be enough for them, so they don't have to risk too much. And Dortmund playing at home will always play offensively. And yeah, it should still be a fun match. And I kind of expect Dortmund to win. The big matches were good for Dortmund this season. 
Yeah, that's true. And so I think we can definitely call it a big game. Um, Jona, before I ask you anything about that particular match, Lars, I want to ask you uh, how much it means for Dortmund to finish third instead of fourth. I'm actually not so sure it means all that much. Uh, I, I think it means much more for Hoffenheim, seeing as they don't have any uh, coefficient points. So for them, the Champions League playoffs would be really tough because they'd likely be paired with a team that has a lot of experience at the Champions League level, uh, maybe not had the greatest season. So, uh, for example, the, the fourth place team from England could be in play for them. I think for Dortmund, uh, seeing as they are in the top 10 uh, in the European coefficient points, uh, they would be overwhelming favorites in almost every matchup in the playoffs. So uh, I, I think they could survive uh, coming in fourth, but naturally... Uh, they would prefer coming in third just also because it, that would mean they have a good run in for the cup final. And certainly I think winning the cup is now more of a priority than uh, coming in third. But uh, first things first, the Bundesliga comes first and, and these final three games, uh, the, 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 the interesting part of course is that uh, both Dortmund and Hoffenheim after this uh, direct meeting face uh, Augsburg and Bremen on the final two match days. Uh, so, It, it should be uh, relatively close until the end. And I, I, I think, for one, that all the talk about this being a final for the third place is really overblown just because both teams have to face Red Hot Bremen and Augsburg, who are very much in a relegation battle. So it's not like uh, whoever comes out here uh, on Saturday with the three points or if the one is, if the game's even won by, by any of those two teams uh, is going to be a, a shoe-in for third place just because the, the two final matches for both teams are pretty difficult in, in and of themselves. So uh, to re reiterate, I, I think it's not that big a deal for Dortmund to come in third uh, in terms of, you know, finances and the, their prospects for the Champions League next season. But just generally, they, d they don't want to uh, have two teams between them and Bayern in the Bundesliga. So I'm pretty sure, even though the cup, I think, is more of a priority, to me at least, Uh, they are going to do everything they can to come in third. And Dortmund did pretty well last season when they um, when they still had to qualify for the Europa League, and basically start had to start the the season earlier than than other teams, and they basically benefited from yeah. That. And and, so, and uh, the sorry the the problem isn't as huge uh, with the Champions League because they they would uh, enter at the final stage of. Uh, Uh, of the playoffs, so it w it wouldn't be like they they wouldn't have to start in in on July 30th at, as they did in Tuchel's first season. So I I think the difference between the uh, playoff match and the Bundesliga start is one one week usually it is. So it's it's not a big deal if they had to go through playoffs. I don't think. Well, I personally would see it a little bit different because uh, even though they will probably be favorites. Going into a playoff game, there's still no guarantee they will actually proceed and uh, Dortmund are set up the way that they kind of gamble on finishing in the Champions League to maintain their yeah, highly paid roster by now. And uh, I also do wonder how much a difference it makes uh, whether you can actually plan with the Champions League when you have uh, negotiations to do with uh, certain transfer targets and uh, maybe trying to keep other players that uh, you can wave the Champions League flag uh, right from from the early summer and not have to wait basically un until the season starts. Uh, I don't know, but I think it is a factor. But uh, yeah, overall, I, I do believe also that Dortmund would overcome a Champions League playoff much much better than, than Hoffenheim, obviously, but still, there's always that uh, tiny risk in, involved, and uh, I'm not sure Mr. Watzke has a yeah, security uh, insurance fund or whatever set up this time that uh, would make up for the lost millions if Dortmund lose out on the Champions League, so I personally think this is kind of a big game, but as last said, with a green hot brim still out there uh you know there are still a couple of things that could change anywho um Jona Hoffenheim um play under the uh much lauded and praised Julian Nagelsmann um what are their strengths and weaknesses um 
I guess one of the um, main differences to other Bundesliga teams is that um, Hoffenheim do pretty well in, in possession. And like most Bundesliga teams... I think they have um, the third highest possession behind Bayern and Dortmund in the league. Okay, yeah. Um, and like most Bundesliga teams obviously focus on, on defense and um, are, like do pretty well at pressing, but um, find it difficult to to create anything other than uh, other than quick counter attacks um and Julian Nagelsmann um has a p- possession based style and i think Luca hinted at some of the strategic um issues um for the game and i'm not quite sure if Dortmund will will actually press um press Hoffenheim high up the pitch um i think they probably will but it will be interesting to um to see a, a more um a more defensive approach in like out of possession at least um to to have uh Hoffenheim try to build up and then uh, counter attack um and i think it will, will also be interesting to see if um if Hoffenheim focus on on possession or if they um um if they choose um if they choose a more reactive approach and um and basically let Dortmund have the ball and um counter and counter themselves um yeah I think there's still a couple of open um, questions concerning the um, the strategic approaches from from both teams. Last, when we look at that Hoffenheim squad, is uh, Sandro Wagner their most important player right now because he is so well at holding up the ball and trying to defend that is is really really tough. Or are you rather looking at players like Zule, Rudi, or Amiri, or Kadrabek, Demirbay? I mean, they have. A, couple of players who are really playing well this season so if you had to say if you were the coach and had to basically make sure you uh, deny one player the very most who would that be that's a very difficult question i think wagner actually hasn't scored in a few games uh i'm not entirely sure how many but i can't remember his last goal so uh must have been a few games at least i think rudy uh rudiger oh Rudy uh, is doing really well. Uh, he's almost retroactively uh, earning that move to Bayern. He he clinched in January. I think he's one of the best players in the Bundesliga in the second half of the season. Uh, I mean, it's difficult to take out a strategic central midfielder. Uh, you know, you you can't really man-mark a guy like that uh, too well. Although I think if Kagawa were to start in a central attacking midfield position, that would probably be one of his tasks. Uh, but I think the, the inform player for Hoffenheim is probably Karim Demirbay, uh, former Dortmund 2 player, uh, very adept technically, uh, started scoring again, uh, against Cologne and, and he's really dynamic too in, in midfield, makes a lot of things happen, but I think, uh, Hoffenheim are more a sum of the parts than, uh, you know, one of those teams who shine through individual quality. And and if I had to point my defense towards one player uh, who cannot uh, be allowed, you know, a, a free shot from 20 yards or so, or, or who, who can't be allowed to move freely uh, in the final third, I think it would be Andre Kramaric just because he can score from crazy angles and it's really shifty and... Uh, very good finisher and I think one of the better strikers in the Bundesliga even though he's also running a bit hot and cold in front of goal uh, this season I think he scored something like 12 or 13 goals but most of those came in in shorter spells of greatness than you know he's not the the kind of striker who scores every other game I think he's a bit more streaky than that but uh, he scored against Bayern if I'm not mistaken the winning goal uh, a few weeks ago And it's just generally one of my favorite players in the Bundesliga to watch. So, uh, if I, if I had to choose one who could wreck Dortmund's game, I think it would be Andre Kamaric. Yeah, funny, funny enough, when I was just listing all the players, Kamaric was the only player I couldn't think of. And, uh, yeah, he is also the one I would have pointed out, but escaped my mind. Uh, nevertheless, Luca, you, already talked about Dortmund having fresher legs than usual um that obviously 
uh, also will count for Mr. Dembele. And uh, if I'm not completely wrong, he assisted both goals in the previous leg. Do you think that uh, him having a week off will uh, make a huge difference for Dortmund? Just that Dembele alone has maybe a, yeah some some uh, mental and physical re recuperation. I mean, he's he's played so many games a season and probably too many games a season for his own good. He's still so young and uh, I think Tuchel is eager to point out at every opportunity he gets that uh, he burden uh, that the, the burden Dembele basically has to carry for the team is too big for his age and um, yeah, he almost feels sorry for him. So yeah, one week will do him a ton of good probably, but it's not going to be enough, I think. Uh, to f at least to fully recuperate, obviously, but also um, was some of the mental lapses or whatever you want to call it, wrong decisions or whatever, are, are just part of his games at at least of now, I think. So you you can expect some of those, but also some moments of brilliance, and uh, you just have to hope that the moments of brilliance outweigh the bad ones and. That's basically how it will be for at least the rest of this season and probably a few more uh, months or years with Dembele because he's still learning and still young. And maybe Tuchel, I could even see Tuchel not starting him and bringing him on, bringing him on in the 60th minute or so and just to have him, him on fresh against tired uh, defenders. But we'll see what, what he does. Same goes for his Pulisic. Yeah, certainly also, you know, depending on the run of play, but I'm pretty, pretty sure that Dembele will start. Jona, Hoffenheim usually play in a 3-1-4-2 system. Uh, Dortmund have applied that system as well, uh, many times this season. Um, if Hoffenheim play that well, which of course is never a guarantee, but if, if they play that way, um, what can Dortmund do to uh, nullify that or uh, yeah, at least uh, take the advantages of that system? Um, I guess it depends on whether um, Socrates will be fit. Um, but Let's just assume he will be. Okay. Um, it depends on, on Hoffenheim's um, approach to the game, but usually it's um, you know, there's an easy rule. Like if the opponent um, have two strikers, then it's always good to have three um, defenders against them. So you can basically have a three against two. And if they are, um, only have one striker, then two central defenders are usually enough. Um, because like, if you have three center backs, then you can always use the the gap between, uh, like next to the strikers and advance in the, in the half space or even, even on the wing. Um, so that's... Um, the main factor against against the high press in particular. I think defensive uh, or Dortmund in in defense can could try to exploit uh, Zuba, who's playing on the left side, and at least to me he looks like a bit of a weak link because he's for one he's right footed and not amazing on the ball and had some uh, key. Uh, or I wouldn't say key, but he lost the ball a few times when I when I watched Hoffenheim. In, in pretty dangerous situations. So one idea could be, uh, to have three guys up front, uh, basically pressing the, the back line of, of Hoffenheim one to one, and then guide the ball to Zuba and create access there with, with one winger and one central midfielder rushing out and basically forcing him to either punt the ball to, to Sandra Wagner and hope Socrates is, in, is fit and does his thing. The same thing he usually does with Lewandowski. Just, uh, yeah, doesn't allow uh, Wagner to get into the game. And yeah, that would be one approach they could take. If if Tuba even plays, maybe he'll play Tolian or something, but that would be one idea. I'm not even sure if he's that bad or if I just uh, caught uh, the wrong moments of Hoffenheim games and he looked bad to me in those, those moments. But yeah. So what you, what you start, Reus, Aubameyang and Dembele up front then? Yeah, that probably, or if you, either Dembele or Pulisic, either one of them and bring the other one on in, in the course, over the course of the game. Yeah. Okay. So Kagawa wouldn't, wouldn't play then? I think I would, 
I wouldn't like Kagawa in this game because I would like them to play five at the back and two pacey guys um, as number 10, so to say, or as wingers. And yeah. I, w I wouldn't like uh, Kagawa in that game because I don't think they'll have that much deep possession in Hoffenheim's half. And I, I would like guys who can uh, basically counter attack better than Kagawa does. And I mean, you could even think about playing Kagawa next to Weigel, but that's probably a bit risky. Yeah. I guess, I guess Dortmund could play in a, like a, like a five, two, one, two, like they did a couple of times this season. Yeah. Like in the home match against Leipzig, maybe in a similar setup where they also focus on, on corner takes more than actually having the ball. Yeah. So Kagawa could play behind, um, um, Aubameyang and, and Royce. Yeah. They that could, would be um, possible. Yeah basically occupy um, uh, or stay close to, to Rudi, like some of you mentioned before. Was it Lars or Stefan? I don't quite recall. Anyway, um, but then Kagawa could stay close to Rudi and basically attack a Vogts whenever that's required. And Castro could then advance to uh, to get closer to Rudi when Kagawa's attacking Vogts. But yeah. That would be an option, but I, I, yeah, as I as, as I said before, it depends on Dortmund's strategic approach. Like, do they want to um, to get the ball right away, or do they want to um, do, do they let Hoffenheim keep the ball for a while and um, and and then get the ball and encounter? I think um, that's one of the one of the things we will find out on on is it on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, Saturday three thirty yeah. kickoff. Could have been a topspiel in, in my view, but uh, of course wasn't. I don't even know which game the topspiel will be on Saturday. Oh yeah, Hertha against Leipzig. <laughs> it's 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 uh, second against fifth, so you know. Always always was... smart to put Hertha as your uh, as your alone game, and then have international people watch a Hertha game. Super smart to promote Bundesliga. But carry on. Or Frankfurt. Frankfurt is even better. Yeah, Frankfurt would be even worse. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, Frankfurt against Hertha, top spiel. Anywho, uh, Lars, <laughs> we're speaking of Frankfurt. Uh, you obviously saw Hoffenheim play against Frankfurt and win against Frankfurt, and you also watched them uh, draw against Cologne. And basically, the main takeaway from that is Hoffenheim aren't too strong. Uh, in in uh, their form right now, do you think uh, looking at, looking ahead that uh, we will see their quote unquote rather weak form on on Saturday too, or do you think uh, for such a game form completely goes out of the window? I'm not even sure. I would say they are aren't on on a good run of form. I do wonder whether they peaked a bit against Bayern, uh, you know, which was a huge game certainly for them, uh, and. But even if you say they didn't play well, there's also, there's, there's so much to say for a team cutting out two performances, uh, which weren't great, but winning four points from them when it could easily have been one point. So, uh, with that in mind, I'm not entirely convinced, uh, Hoffenheim will show any, you know, weak form or anything on Saturday. I, I, as you said or alluded to, uh, it's, such a huge game for the uh, for the Bundesliga season of these two teams and especially for Hoffenheim who is it the biggest game left of the season for you know the entire season or do you think there are a couple of relegation battles if we discard the relegation I think we'll have uh, Hamburg uh, Wolfsburg on the penultimate match day isn't that correct so I think uh, in 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 the upper half of the table certainly it's the biggest game left uh, certainly now that uh, Leipzig Bayern is basically a moot point. Um, and, and I think uh, Hoffenheim are trying to sell the idea that they have so nothing to lose uh, or, or very little to lose because the season's already a success. Of course it is, but as, as we talked about earlier, for Hoffenheim it's much more important to come in third uh, than it is for Dortmund, uh, simply because of the coefficient points and the, uh, the, the, prospect of facing a, a very strong team in, in the Champions League playoffs um, so I, I don't really understand or I mean I understand why they are doing it because it furthers their cause but they, they, they can't be seriously going into this game thinking uh, you know we, we'll take what we get if we lose we lose I mean uh, I think Hoffenheim's season is going too well for them to 
not go into this game with some anxiety over potentially losing a spot they held for now a pretty long time too. So uh, I, I, I'm not convinced uh, this is going to be about you know general runs of form, especially with uh, the the end of the English weeks for Dortmund, as you already talked about uh, earlier. I think it's going to come down today uh, on the to the form on the day, and then also availability of some key performers. I mean, if if Dortmund are without Schmelzer and Socrates, I think Schmelzer has been their best player in the last three or four games, or close to their best player. And Socrates is obviously hugely important. Uh, I think those two. Uh, question marks could also be very decisive in the game. Yeah, it could be a Pischek, Ginter, Bender defense, maybe Guerrero, depending yeah. whether he will play as, as left back. And that's, uh, you know, probably not too promising against Hoffenheim. Luca? Uh, uh, yeah, if Dom is also out, then you would also, you would always have to have Pischek play as right wing back or maybe Pulisic could play there, but that's, uh, he looked a bit, Shaky defensively when he played there, so yeah, that that would be a big miss if they if Socrates couldn't play and Schmelzer couldn't play. Yeah, and big games usually are decided in defense. Um, Lars, if I look at most Dortmund games against Hoffenheim, I recall not only Hoffenheim playing well, but also roughing Dortmund up pretty good in the, in the sense that they more or less uh, kicked the fun out of Dortmund in, in many games. Um, Julian Nagelsmann at the news conference more or less alluded to something uh, yeah, along those lines that uh, we will see this again. And on this show, of course, we have talked a lot of times about Dortmund basically uh, getting roughed up and uh, losing a game because of that, but uh, do you think this has changed throughout the season that uh, they have uh, basically uh, put on some muscle themselves and are fighting back now, or do you think this uh, can be another issue on Saturday? Both. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> uh, Dortmund have certainly adapted that strategy to an extent themselves. I think there were quite a few games in the second half of the season when, in in which they actually outfouled. Uh, their opponents or certainly uh, uh, help their own in the in that department in in the center of the pitch but i wanted to uh, go back to an earlier point of yours uh, i think hoffenheim have largely done okay against dortmund but they've actually only beaten dortmund at signal Iduna park once in 10 attempts so i think uh, much of the discussion uh with with Hoffenheim doing also well against Dortmund comes from that one game where Dortmund were too dumb to get Hoffenheim relegated uh, in what was it, 2013 or so. Uh, yeah, before the Champions League final. Yeah, and and I think that has manifested itself in the memories of many people. But actually, Dortmund have been fairly fairly okay at home against Hoffenheim. And then uh, Luca already talked about the uh, the first meeting of the season, the two two draw in which Dortmund were. A man down for fifty something minutes was it, uh, and, yeah, and or even or even more, and 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 really were the better side in the game and were kind of unlucky not to come away with all three points. So, um, but but coming back to your uh, question, Stefan, uh, obviously, if 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 Hoffenheim get to Julian Weigel all the time or to Guerrero if he gets to play in midfield and doesn't have to play left back or. If Sandro Wagner dishes out punishment against Socrates, uh, of course that, that could be uh, a decisive point in the game, but I think Dortmund have wised up to that strategy themselves. So I, I'm not actually, uh, I don't know who's going to be the referee of the game, but I think he's going to certainly... Felix Brüch. Yeah, that's all right, I think. Uh, he's not too bad. And he's got the experience in those big games to, to let something slide and not be... Uh, too quick with his whistle, so I think uh, I think he's going to let the players play, and uh, and I'm sure uh, there won't be any you know brutality or anything. I think it's going to be rough, but in a professional matter. All right, fair enough, um, Yuna. Unless you have anything to say about this game, still, I would say we move ahead and predict it. Let's predict it then. All right, then uh, give me your scoreline prediction for Saturday. Um, okay, I'm going for two one to Dortmund. Well, that's the that's the housewife tip. 
<laughs> That's okay. It's your first episode, and I would have also picked that prediction. So, with Jona and me both saying two one Dortmund, I will hand it over to Luca now. Uh, three one for Dortmund. Very confident. Lars. Two one. All right, three housewives and one confident person. That uh, would almost be all. Um, but I forgot to uh, talk about the. Uh, News coming out of the last week, and that of course was Nuri Shine extending a deal until 2019. So, last for the record that we have it on on the show, may you please uh, tell talk us through that contract extension? I actually didn't quite understand why they did it. To be honest, um, I think he was under contract until 2018. Uh, Shine wasn't going anywhere in the summer. So I, I think it was relatively unnecessary. I, maybe uh, he got an, a little pay, pay bump, um, but then again, he was mostly unavailable over the course of his contract so far. So I don't really understand what he would have done to earn that pay bump if he indeed got one. But I mean, he's obviously a hugely important player, not only when he's healthy, but in the locker room. He's one of the leaders of the team, I think, Players like Christian Pulisic have acknowledged as much, certainly after uh, the attack earlier in April. So, uh, I mean, just based on that and the fact that he's one of the uh, most integrative players on the on the team, both uh, towards teammates and towards the fan base, I think uh, I can certainly understand it from from that viewpoint. But in a in a pure sporting sense, I don't think it was. Uh, it was certainly not overly necessary or anything, but uh, I mean, uh, a, a player like Nuri Shine will always have a place at Dortmund, so why not give him a new contract? And I think from a from a tactical perspective, it's um it's it's also a problem because um I think it's difficult to play um Nuri Shine and Julian Weigel at the same time because they they both prefer prefer the deep um role um in front of the the centre backs and. Like when, when, when both play at the same time, it's always, um, sometimes it works, but uh, most of the time it's, um, rather, um, rather difficult, I think, for them. Yeah, that's true. They're way too often in the same position and thus, uh, yeah, basically take each other away the, uh, yeah, passing option. But, uh, Michel Zorc said that in a few games Shine played, he proved that he's still valuable to the team. And, uh, yeah, of course, huge, uh, figure of identification for the fans. And, uh, yeah, I don't think there are many players still in a row so that identify with Borussia Dortmund as much as, uh, Shine does. So as Lars already alluded to, uh, that's certainly a factor, although maybe a soft factor, but nevertheless a factor. Um, Luca, while we are on uh, the talk about uh, contract extensions, there have been reports, I think, from Kicker that Shinji Kagawa is close to extending his contract, or at least that Dortmund have the intention to uh, extend his contract. If you are Kagawa, uh, do you put pen to paper, or do you think uh, there is maybe more playing time available elsewhere and seek for greener pastures? Uh he probably could play more somewhere else, but I'm not sure if he could play more at a similar uh, club in, you know, uh, on a similar level. So uh, I would probably put pen to paper. And the way he played, he's he's always one of the first options um, to come come in, or one of the first options if one of the main offensive players gets some rest. So yeah, and he's also well liked. Uh, uh, as far as I know, a funny guy, um, and the other guys like him, and so always nice to have those people around and in your in your team. All right, fair enough. I don't think anyone disagrees. And uh, finally, Jona is Pierre Merrick Aubameyang off to Paris. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and with that, we can end the show, I guess. Um, guys, it was. Once again, a pleasure to uh, talk Borussia Dortmund with you all. So, Lars, you may go first in telling people where they can find you on the internet and read your work. 
they can uh, find me on Twitter at Lars Polman and I will uh, send out links to whatever I deem readable. Per DM. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm going to, to write all my 3,711 followers by... Sure. You've got at least double that, Luca. Uh, I will, I will DM all of you, uh, whenever I write something anywhere on the internet. That's a promise. <laughs> Not even curated. All right. I, I see this, this little, uh, outro segment is already getting out of hand. So, Luca, without any further ado, where can people find you in Berlin? At Luca Gill on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not yeah. real. I'm not real. I'm a fake person on Twitter. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> what else is new? Jona, where can people find you and your work? Um, you can find me on the ads Halbraumrandale. Um, or just search for my... Could name. you spell that, please? Halbraumrandale. H-A-L-B-R-A-U-M-R-A-D-A. A-L-E. You missed an, oh, an, 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 yeah, miss an end there, but but uh, let's all <laughs> yeah. remember that yeah. Luca didn't know how to spell his name, so you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Call back. <laughs> yeah, that that was a, that was the highlight of this whole podcast. Anywho, <laughs> you can find me at Stefan Butzko. No, I will not spell that because I have to spell my damn last name every day almost. And uh, yeah, you can find all the names in the show notes, which you can find on yellowwallpod.com if you want to subscribe to the show. And any other way, you can do that via iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you want to get in touch with us, do that via Twitter at yellowwallpod or Facebook, yellowwallpod. And uh, yeah, that would be all for this week. We will be back next week with not only a regular show, but also the Borussia Dortmund fans from around the world segment. Yes, that's right. You guys uh, were also nice chipped in and we hit our first goal on Patreon, meaning uh, we are above the $100 mark, which is quite amazing, I find. So, yeah, next week we will uh, revamp that nice little segment and I'm uh, yeah really, really uh, looking forward to many of those. So if there are any volunteers out there, do get in touch as well, which you can do, as I said, on yellowwallpod.com as well via the contact form if uh, there's no other option for you so yeah that would be finally that would finally be all until next week goodbye